Hello to you. Welcome to the weekend edition of the Coin Market Recap Podcast. It is I, Connor, and it is you, Molly Jane. <laughs> it is me. It is How me. are you? I'm great. You didn't notice my joke this week already. What was that? Well, I sent you the podcast notes. Did you notice the date that I set the podcast as? <laughs> <laughs> what did you set it as? February 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Oi. Oh dear. Well, that's a two out of ten kind of joke, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Or is it a one out of two kind of joke? It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> so niche. It's so niche. Well, we've got lots to talk about, mostly about FTX, because there's so many things that have happened there. We'll also talk about more job cuts for the crypto industry. The person who's received 10 months in jail for insider trading cryptocurrencies. The ongoing row between Cameron Winklevoss and Barry Silbert, plus Logan Paul and Andrew Tate. And Apple's rumoured mixed reality headset. Could it shake up the metaverse? We'll be finding out. Give our show a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And yes, we are on Twitter as well at Connor Sefton and at Molly J. Zuckerman. This week's crypto headlines with Connor and Molly Jane. So, every week, <laughs> loads of news about FTX is coming out. It's practically our top story every week. And this week's no different. One of the newest developments is Sam Bankman Freed starting a substack. Molly Jane, he just can't help himself, can he? He absolutely cannot. He could be duct taped, kidnapped by by the mafia in a basement with his hands tied behind his back and he would be like blinking Morse code into his phone to send out a tweet about how he's really sorry and he <laughs> and didn't come in with any funds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. that's what it feels like. So... Um, highlights from this, and I'm going to be interested to get Molly Jane's take on it as well, because she's probably read it more extensively than I have. It's very new at the time we're recording this. So he claims, once again, FTX US is fully solvent and always has been. He says it's ridiculous. American users haven't been made whole yet. And he also says that if the international arm had been given a few more weeks, it could have made customers substantially whole. But Molly Jane, that doesn't address the core problem, does it? The allegations customer funds were being misused by Alameda Research. Yep. It doesn't. Anything else that's jumped out at you from this very lengthy substack? Are you going to subscribe? <laughs> no, I'm not going to subscribe. I won't give them the satisfaction of subscribing, although I will read each post, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm not going to be hitting that subscribe button. So the thing that I took away, and I will give the caveat that I did read this from someone else's Twitter after I read it. So it's really their stance, but I thought it was interesting, is mm -hmm. that the only new nuggets of information are about how Chapter 11 bankruptcy was filed. Right. Do you okay. want me to walk you through that? Yes, please. So if you read this article very closely, which is hard to do because it's just the same old thing over and over again that we've heard a thousand times, if you get down to the actual hour by hour, and sometimes even minute by minute replay of how mm -hmm. Sam Bankman-Fried writes that he filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. It describes how friends and family members were pressuring him to do so voluntarily, but more importantly, so was his counsel. Mm -hmm. And 
it was 4.30 in the morning when he hit that accept button, as he says, on a DocuSign, and that 10 minutes later, well, first of all, 10 minutes later, I would ignore his sentence about getting that offer of billions in funding. Let's just like yeah. put that away for now. But 10 minutes later, he did. He says he changed his mind. That could be right. true. And they refused to take it back. And six hours later, they filed. Um, just according to this one lawyer's tweet thread that I saw, the lawyers didn't have to do that. The DocuSign could have been unclicked. Mm-hmm. So what Sam is, is is alleging is that these lawyers, these counsel, these bankruptcy advisors forced him into bankruptcy in this panic-stricken, purposeful way in order to collect these like seven, eight, maybe even nine-figure fees from mm-hmm. overseeing the bankruptcy proceedings. This is his conspiracy theory about it. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but I do. I did like that this this lawyer on on Twitter sort of broke down. Actually, this isn't really the way that most people file for Chapter Eleven voluntary bankruptcy. And of course, he once again says he didn't steal funds and stash billions away. He's willing to contribute almost all of his personal shares to Robin Hood. That's tricky because they've been seized. Um, and once again, <laughs> yep. he's attempting to lay a lot of blame. At the feet of CZ, Binance's CEO. I mean, oh, and he does it. He does it in like the craziest way because he mentions his name once in the Mm. whole document, but then he links to a Forbes piece that was his testimony that he was never able to give. Yes, at the government that just blasts CZ's alleged marketing strategy. So testimony, by the way, that. Congress was livid with because the second line in it said, I fucked up. And they found that incredibly disrespectful. He just, I've mentioned this so many times before, but he either has the worst PR team or he's just literally incorrigible and just can't, he can't be stopped. He can't be be stopped. Well, any other big takeaways from that piece for you? (laughs) <laughs> Matt Levine wrote about it today and said he would subscribe. <laughs> and I wanted to say, no, Matt, don't subscribe. Don't subscribe give him this Matt piece. Subscribe to our podcast instead, Matt. Subscribe to our podcast Talk about you instead. all the time. It'd be an, an amazing ego boost for you. Uh, We're in the top 5% crazy. of podcasts worldwide, don't you know? Oh, yeah. I would like everyone to know top 5%. I'm not a numbers person, but that seems pretty good. <laughs> Well, thank you all very much for listening. And now we've blown smoke up our ass. Let's carry Mm -hmm. on. Because in other developments, FTX's new management has told a bankruptcy court that they've recovered $5 billion in assets. Now, this sounds to me, Molly Jane, like pretty good news. $5 billion is a large number. They 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 did tick that box, as you wrote in your article, or as we wrote in our market musings. They checked the box that the liabilities were between 1 billion and 5 billion. So, 1 billion and 10 billion. Sorry, 1 billion and 10 billion, exactly. So, if it was 1 billion, they've already found a lot more. And if it was 10 billion, they're only halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was sort of my takeaway here. That's yeah. fair. I mean, I say it's pretty good news because bearing in mind when John Ray, he's the new CEO of FTX, when he was speaking in front of Congress just last month, at that point he'd said that they'd only recovered $1 billion. So $1 billion to $5 billion in about a month, for me, is 
pretty good progress. And of course, there's more work to be done. And there's a lot we still don't know yet, as we'll talk about in a bit. But that's pretty heartening. It's pretty heartening, especially because during John Ray's testimony the gov- with the government a few weeks ago, there was a lot of talk about this taking years and years Yes. For everything to be uncovered. And they don't have years and years. Their their date for discovery is set in, I think, March. Not even April, yes. in March. Yep. Yes. Well, this $5 billion, it's a mix of cash and liquid cryptocurrencies and a treasure trove of other altcoins. I say treasure trove very lightly. It's yeah, also like, been mm. found because they're too illiquid to sell. Because, Molly Jane, the market for those is pretty thin. Is it too thin? Is the market too thin? Oh, no. I love yeah. a thin market. <laughs> <laughs> well, FTX doesn't because they can't let me sell anything. But there's still a lot of work to do. We still don't know exactly how much money is missing. And the latest estimates suggest 9 million customer accounts were holding about $20 billion. And as we know by now, Alameda Research was allegedly using these funds to make big bets and extravagant purchases. And Molly Jane, we also found out that the identities of FTX users is going to remain a secret. Yeah, and it's just fascinating to me. And I understand why. And I actually almost, I probably do support that decision. But Mm. why FTX users are secret and why Celsius users were not secret. That's a very good question. And I think that it's pretty unusual, this ruling that we've got. The judge has said that the identities of the FTX customers is going to remain secret for at least three months. FTX's new management had feared releasing names and personal information could lead to identity theft and unlawful harm, potentially benefit rivals. And yes, when we saw Celsius Network's bankruptcy proceedings, there was that 14,500-page document filled with the names and personal information of the customers, and then someone created a website with a leaderboard and who lost the most. So maybe it's the fact that because Celsius Network went first we saw the consequences of making all this information public and maybe the judge is wise to this now. I do feel bad for Celsius customers that they were the guinea pigs in this situation. But as (laughs) someone had to go first and there are several more bankruptcies down the line. And um... Well, when it comes to bankruptcies, we're so early. That's great. That should be so our tweet early. about this. We are so <laughs> early. We are so early. Um, and also in bankruptcy court, FTX Arena is going to be renamed. I mean, this had to be inevitable, didn't it? I thought they already showed that had those drone pictures of someone taking the sign off the roof way back when. Oh. I mean, oh, that wasn't an official renaming. You don't remember seeing those? Nope. I'll send you a little, a little DM later. You can check it out. Well, Sam Pantman-Fried had signed a 19-year deal worth $135 million for the naming rights to the stadium that's used by NBA's Miami Heat team. Can you imagine, Molly Shane, if it was 2040, (laughs) it was still called FTX Arena? Well, that would be ridiculous. Although, you know, in your coverage of this, you wrote that it's, it's not just as simple as removing the logo. It's like all of the... The workers, like the sanitation workers and the people that work in the stands selling food and drinks have FTX like on their uniforms. Yes, FTX's logo is everywhere. As you said, it's on the roof, but apparently that might be scrubbed off by now. It's on the shirt security staff wear. It's on identity cards. So 
<laughs> Do you think another crypto firm's going to swoop in for the naming rights? <laughs> oh my god! If only CMC could do that. <laughs> the CMC Arena. I like that. It sounds. It sounds nice. That sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice. But on a serious note, do you think that the the boom and bust of the market will actually stop sports teams from landing sponsorship deals with crypto firms in the future, or do you think when the bull market returns, the money will talk? I mean, that was always the least interesting part of crypto to me was seeing all of the ads or all of the articles about the sports stuff because I don't watch the sports. I don't watch the sports. I know, sports but with the millions game. of yeah. people do, though. That's the thing. I know. When it's just got... so boring to me. My, my mind just shuts down. I'm just like, eh, I don't really want to deal with that. <laughs> you know, you know, for the people who are fans of F1 or football, you can't really overstate the overstate, understate. You can't. You can't exaggerate the impact that having a crypto firm's logo on a football kit or on an F1 car. To football or matches, soccer? Uh, <laughs> football, because football is a British invention, and so we're going to call it football. Um, but, you know, the impact that a crypto logo has on one of these kits or one of these cars, these sports are viewed by hundreds of millions of people. It's so much visibility. It's a lot of visibility, but... I can't even like think of anything to say about it. I'm just like, next question, please. All right, then. Well, a couple of <laughs> other developments to tell you about. A third person in Sam Bankman-Fried's inner circle is now seeking a plea deal with prosecutors. He's Nishad Singh. He used to be FTX's head of engineering and lived and worked with SBF in that infamous luxury penthouse in the Bahamas. And he's allegedly been linked to the software code that gave Alameda Research that virtually unlimited line of credit using FTX customer funds. So I guess my question for you now, Molly Jane, is would this third plea deal, if it's struck, make life a lot worse for SBF? Or do you think actually it wouldn't make all that much of a difference? I think that it is... If it if he cuts a plea deal, I think it would make a difference. Then it would be mm. three against one. Yeah, but I mean, they've already got really big fish, haven't they? Like Caroline Ellison, who was Alameda Research's CEO, and Gary Wang, who was the co-founder of FTX. Do you really need the head of engineering as well? I think you need everyone involved. Mm. Well, other happy news to bring you. The US and the Bahamas are also going to start cooperating. They Yay. have been bickering for weeks and <laughs> weeks and weeks. Yes, let's have some the applause. applause. Um, now, I, the, the, the line I found particularly telling in this statement announcing the cooperation, John Ray said there's still a few areas where there isn't a meeting of the minds. The meeting of the minds... Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure I would consider regulators being the minds, but that's fine if they think they're the minds. They can be the minds. If, I guess if you think you're a mind, you can be a mind. I don't want to stop you. This is a meeting of the minds, this podcast, isn't it? Oh, no, this is, this is like you open Merriam-Webster Dictionary and meeting of the minds and it's us. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's move on now. And we're going to talk about... Yet more painful job cuts in the crypto industry this week. Please. Molly Jane, what's your take? It's just that everyone hired so much during the bull market 
And working at a very small company, you know, mm. um, I just wonder if you have so many people, like hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, and everyone, does everyone really have eight hours a day of work to do? You know, when, you, when you're talking in that big of numbers? I've never worked for a big corporation, so I probably just don't understand. Well, because I... I'm old enough to remember in happier times for Coinbase. One year old, older than me. But yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, the, no, the, the, the crypto industry has aged me by like 50 years. But um, I remember Coinbase unveiling like rest weeks for their staff because during the bull market, they were literally being worked to the bone. So teams would alternate taking a week off to recuperate because the idea was we need you to really, really put the hours in, all hands on deck, and then we'll just make sure you get the opportunity to recharge. But the the line this week is Coinbase has slashed another 20% of its workforce. That's 950 jobs. And it's so weird because Coinbase said last year it was planning to hire 2,000 people in 2022, and it's now ended up firing over 2,000 people over the past year. And Brian Armstrong's admitted the exchange became too focused on growing headcount as a metric for success. So do you really think Coinbase will learn its lesson when the next bull market comes along? Well, that's such an interesting thing. I do remember reading that, just growing headcount as a metric for success I guess what that really means is having enough revenue to grow more headcount because I could just hire 30 people tomorrow. You know, I could just. It doesn't seem like a very astute business decision because obviously you want to preserve your margins. So wouldn't you rather impress people by having really healthy profits rather than impress people by saying, oh, we've got these thousands of staff, even though you don't really need them. And they're costing you money. I don't really buy the argument. I, I more bought the argument when he cut jobs the last time and he just admitted, sorry, we overhired. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just, uh, there are a lot of things that I've learned to track as metrics of success and how many people I'm able to shove into my team is like not, not one of them. Well, he wrote a blog post to announce this cheery news, and it was pretty interesting because he was blaming the job cuts on the broader economic downturn and the fallout from unscrupulous actors in the industry. Who could he mean? Who could he mean? I don't know. Does his name start with an S and end with a Bief? <laughs> Bief? <laughs> but um, Armstrong also warned there could still be further contagion. I mean, do you think he'll be right there? 100%. I've said this before. We just don't even know who's going to be the next to fall. Yes. I mean, I think I've got quite a good idea about that. I'm going to be talking about them in a little bit. But um, we did see Bitcoin and Ether rally this week, didn't we? But we're not going to talk about that because you don't care about that, do you? No, I don't. I really don't. And people think I'm lying, but I was on the phone call with a CMC colleague the other day, and uh, they were talking about how low Ethereum had got and how trading volume on all exchanges was down. And I was like, really? I didn't know. And I didn't. So that's my story. <laughs> well, Brian Armstrong also said crypto isn't going anywhere. And I agree. But mm -hmm. for me, there's two big problems, because I think... Many retail investors were badly burned by all of these bankruptcies. And I also wonder whether or not 
the FTX drama or the Luna drama or the Three Arrows Capital drama. Take your pick. Or Voyager drama. Black Voyager Black drama. drama. You know, will these dramas put off institutional investors for good? Yes. <laughs> Do you think so? I think I, I might. I might actually think that. Because the arrival of institutions was really seen as a, a crucial step for Bitcoin's future growth in particular. I never saw that. It's like, why do we want the people that we ran away from to welcome us back? Let's just do our own thing. Yeah, but if you look at ARK <laughs> Invest, you know, they're famous, oh, Bitcoin will be worth $1 million uh, by 2030. That, that stuff drives me crazy. But that's predicated on growing adoption from institutions. But why do we have to grow adoption why can't people that use bitcoin just keep on using it and liking it you know why do we have to onboard the next million can't we just because because as much as you can say that it's not of interest to you and you're just interested in what bitcoin does its price has a crucial role in all of this doesn't it because the price needs to go up for the miners to mine exactly <sighs> it's true lucky isn't cheap these days <laughs> That will not be going in our tweet. <laughs> well, um, other job cuts to tell you about include the NFT marketplace Super Rare. They've said goodbye to 30% of their workforce, and they've also admitted overhiring. And CEO John Crane still believes there's an incredible, uncaptured opportunity in NFTs. Do you agree with him? I do. I mean, we've mentioned this before. I feel like NFTs and the metaverse and etc. No one's fully got it yet. People are definitely trying. There's no end of people that are trying, but no one's like got it. Like, oh, this is the thing that now makes the most sense and everyone will use it. Um, I've said before my predictions that it will probably happen in gaming or in rewards. Yeah, like sports exercise rewards, some form of credit card rewards, etc. But like benefits, mm -hmm. bonuses, but they ha they haven't cracked it yet. So I think um, I think he's right. Well, moving on, and there was a big development in the insider trading case involving Coinbase this week. Molly Jane, before we get into what's gone on, do you want to remind us about what the case was about originally? I would love to. I would Thank you. literally love to. So what happened is that there were some employees at Coinbase. I believe it was two employees and then one of the employee's brothers. One employee at Coinbase, his brother and his, his brother. business associate. Okay, okay. So there were three people involved. And what happened is that in Coinbase, this used to be more prominent before this current environment. But to some extent, it still happens now where whenever a coin is listed on Coinbase, because Coinbase listings are very, very, very exclusive, the price goes up. It's called the Coinbase effect. It yes. might not go up forever, but it goes up definitely in the short term. And so mm -hmm. if you have information about what coins will be listed on what day and what time, then the judge ruled, although some of the people involved fought this understanding that this was insider information that you were mm. capitalizing on, and therefore it was insider trading. So yes, you're absolutely right. And the product manager at Coinbase was called Ishan Wahi. He had the inside track on which cryptocurrencies the exchange was about to list and when. 
And he's accused of sharing this information with his brother Nikhil and another business associate, as I said. Nikhil Wahi pleaded guilty, but awkwardly, Ishan hasn't. Mm-hmm. And it's alleged Nikhil made almost $900,000 as a result of this insider trading. And he's got a 10-month sentence. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't seem very long. No, it doesn't, especially with the way the U.S. system works, where it's 10 months, but five months only served or out for good behavior or something. I mean, I don't want to go to jail for 10 months, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it will be a walk in the park, but it is uh, less than a year. So, I mean, I guess this is just leniency for the plea deal, isn't it? Hmm. Or leniency for him pleading guilty, rather. Or is it just not a very big offense? You think it's with the plea deal? Um, I think... I would argue it is a big deal. Do you not think that this was a big deal? No, I do think this was a big deal. I just, I don't know what the length would be if you did not plead, 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 plea. If you didn't plead, plea. Oh my goodness. If you didn't take a plea deal. What I worry about, though... Is And by the way, obviously, it goes without saying that Nikhil Wahi will have to give this money back, right? But I worry that if for insider trading of cryptocurrencies or NFTs or whatever it is, you only get 10 months, that's not much of a deterrent to stop people from doing it. That's what I was also just thinking. But how much do you, you said you worry about this. Does it, does it keep you up at night? Or do you just think about it throughout the day? Like, huh, insider (laughs) traders, they're probably going to be more prolific now. I've only just had the thought. So let me sleep on it or not. And I'll tell you how much much time I lost to it tomorrow. But um, yeah, 10 months for this. I mean, put it this way. I I think if you went into a bank and in a non-violent way stole $5,000... You get more time for this, wouldn't you? I don't plan on doing that. But what I'm saying is, you can <laughs> end know, up you can end up having a case of fraud or a case of theft worth far less with a far harsher sentence. Then it's the plea deal. I think it's the plea deal that got it down. Well, moving on, Molly Jane. I know you love this story. And if you were listening last week, you'll know we were talking about the ongoing drama between Digital Currency Group and Gemini. Now, DCG's crypto lending arm Genesis is in big trouble and owes $900 million to 340,000 Gemini customers who had earn accounts. So Molly Jane, Gemini's co-founder Cameron Winklevoss, has been going after DCG's CEO, that's Barry Silbert, and he's written a brand new open letter this week, hasn't he? He has. Can I read you my favorite line from it? Please do. So just the the background so this line will hit as hard as it's supposed to hit is that the letter, it basically alleges accounting fraud at Genesis, that commingling of funds. DCG was giving money to some of its portfolio companies, not as loans, to increase their capital after the multiple crashes that happened, specifically, you know, Luna and Three Arrows Capital, but was giving them promissory notes that were set to expire only sometimes even a decade, five, 10 years in the future, but then marking them in their books as being worth 
what they are now. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, for me, the more significant line, and I'm not disagreeing with you that that's a pretty, you know, revelatory um, part of the letter, but I feel that Winklevoss really upped the ante because he effectively calls for Silbert to step down as CEO and says there'll be no path forward and no way to reach a deal if he stays in that position. And I believe that this open letter was actually addressed to DCG's board as well. Yes, this is correct. And just so you get a flavor of the level of language, the type of language in this letter, this sentence says, in in June 2022, the music stopped. Three Arrows Capital collapsed, laying bare the poisonous fruits of this radioactive trade. Wow. Well, <laughs> Winklevoss has also threatened that? to sue. That was a cat noise because it's like I did not, I did meow. not like it. <laughs> um, well, I can't do a hamster because they don't make any noise. Um, so, back to the topic at hand. I'll keep the animal noises to a minimum. Uh, Winklevoss then threatened to sue because he said he's confident with new management at DCG, we can all work together to achieve a positive out-of-court solution that will provide a win-win outcome for all, including DCG shareholders. And Silbert has responded with his own letter that was addressed to DCG shareholders as well. It was, and he did not mention the Winklevi by name. And I don't think he even mentioned Gemini by name. He didn't. He he just said, there are allegations, this has been a hard year for me, and everything is not true and everything is fine. Basically, right? Like, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah, called 2022 the most difficult year of his life, personally and professionally, and said, bad actors and repeated blow-ups have wreaked havoc on our industry with ripple effects extending far and wide, and went on to say that it's been challenging to have my integrity and good intentions questioned after spending a decade pouring everything into this company and the space with an unrelenting focus on doing things the right way. That argument I don't like, which is just because you worked really hard for 10 years doesn't mean you did a good job for 10 years. There's a difference between working hard and doing a good job, you know? And well, I don't like about having good that. intentions, though. I think no. that, you know, I get uh, the old idea of you can work hard and be absolutely terrible. But his argument is he's not working out of malice and none of this was done out of malice. I would believe that, but I will say... The one thing that we haven't yet discussed is that Gemini terminated its loan agreement with Genesis, which is going to cause, it must cause something to happen now. Once that's been terminated, something has to happen. Because part of the argument was that Genesis was saying, yes, you loaned us money, but that money isn't due back to you for another six months to a year. And now they're saying, terminated, give it all back. Yeah. It all gets a little HBO now because <laughs> by officially terminating the EARN program, Genesis now has to return all assets. So this will apply pressure to Genesis. Uh, and I mean, I've got to be honest, when we were speaking about this last week, I was pretty convinced that Genesis was on the brink of filing for bankruptcy and was going to do so this week. I'm pretty surprised that that hasn't happened so far. Do you think it would happen next week? 
Well, I don't want to predict that because <laughs> I thought it was going to happen this week. And I I ended up looking like blooming Jim Cramer effectively this week. Yes, that is exactly Monday, how I would describe you. You look just like Jim Cramer. <laughs> thanks. So You're we've awesome. gone from, you've basically gone from suggesting I was short on the podcast last year to now saying I'm bald and in my 50s. Um, you you yourself at the beginning of this podcast said that crypto has aged you 50 years. I've still got a luscious head of hair, though. You you do have a head of hair and you are not short. So, <laughs> But to explain why I feel like Jim Cramer on Monday when I was uh, headlining the podcast on our website, I said, get ready for a dramatic few days. And now Bitcoin's near $19,000. <laughs> Whoops. Well... That's that's drama. That's a little mm. bit of drama. That's true. That's true. Well, I'm still right then. <laughs> I didn't say why there would be drama, so <laughs> it, it, that's, that that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're going to move on and talk about two people now: Logan Paul and Andrew Tate. So first off, Logan Paul abandoned plans to take legal action against the crypto YouTuber CoffeeZilla because he had a road to Damascus moment and realized that suing CoffeeZilla for defamation would be a bad idea. Hmm. <sighs> Molly Jane, like, uh, th th this isn't the first time that a YouTuber has tried to take legal action and then faced such a backlash that they've had to back out of it. Well, it's the uh, Barbara Streisand effect. It's like, why bring attention to yourself? What what was it that um, Bitboy Crypto said? If I had known that filing this lawsuit would have been seen by everyone, by filing yeah. it publicly, I would not have done it. I mean, I've got to be fair. I don't think the the Barbara Streisand effect actually applies with Logan Paul here because CoffeeZilla has got like over 2 million subscribers. I mean, people were going to find this video on their own. And I think that Logan Paul's video, I mean, to be fair, he's got many more subscribers. So maybe it did amplify it to an extent. But I think that CoffeeZilla's three-part series, you know, would have got wide viewership anyway. Yeah. It, I mean, it definitely would if it's CoffeeZilla. It's not like a nobody um mm. i know i know in the beauty influencer youtube vlogger world there's a lot of suing back and forth and there have been successful cases of defamation in the but... cosmetics world though do they kiss and make up oh <laughs> stop first of all stop <laughs> laughing like that <laughs> so I will um, hang up. <laughs> don't, please. We're nearly at the end. Um, <laughs> well, this week, CoffeeZilla claimed he'd received a call from Logan Paul and said that the threat of a defamation lawsuit has been dropped. And that was because Logan Paul said that his response to CoffeeZilla's series, we played a clip of it last week, and I said that Logan Paul came across as really unlikable, was rash and misaligned with the true issue at hand. And that's all of the, you know, questionable individuals that CoffeeZilla had highlighted in his investigation. Logan Paul then said, I'll be taking accountability, apologising and coming forward with a plan in the near future. I know it's been bumpy, but your support is everything to me and I will make this right. Of course, he's talking to CryptoZoo investors who've lost a substantial amount of money after the token fell by 99% since September 2021. And the NFT game hasn't even launched yet. Nope, it hasn't. Run by criminals. 
doesn't exist. It's a zoo. They named it aptly. <laughs> <laughs> they actually literally did. But the reason why I'm lumping Logan Paul and Andrew Tate together is because Andrew Tate appeared in court this week in Romania. Uh, and if you're not familiar, he's currently serving 30 days of detention after he, his brother and two Romanian women were arrested on suspicion of rape, human trafficking and organized crime. Now, he'd appeared in court because his lawyer wanted to appeal the decision to have this 30-day detention, saying that there wasn't much evidence and that appeal was unsuccessful. And weirdly, um, Andrew Tate's Twitter has still been tweeting. I'm not sure whether or not it's him tweeting or whether it's one of his supporters. And there was one tweet that said, effectively, the Matrix attacked me, which is just downright bizarre. But then Logan Paul, Molly Jane, also tweeted, the Matrix is real. Pray you never become its target. <laughs> I, you know what, honestly, I have to do this weekend <laughs> uh, is I have to watch The Matrix. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> How, like, I definitely understand what they're saying. And I think that they're both insane. Um, but I really wish I had seen The Matrix so I could understand, like, even more what they're saying. But I think, you know what, we'll talk it's about nonsense, this next right? week. You go watch, you go watch The Matrix, right? And I can bet my bottom dollar i can bet the 10 pound note in my pocket that you won't be watching the matrix and going oh this is so like andrew tate oh, hard <laughs> relate you know it's not gonna happen is it no it's not gonna happen you're not gonna watch it only i have to watch it i haven't got time <laughs> oh, let molly do it i've got to edit the blooming podcast that's true good thing we're not yeah. doing this on a weekend I know, right? <laughs> I had I had big plans of not moving. <laughs> yes. Well, last but not least, this week, we're going to talk about Apple. Because Apple, apparently, are going to unveil a mixed reality headset that they've been working on since 2017. And it could be on sale by the end of this year. How significant would this be for the metaverse? I feel like relatively significant to not significant mm. at all. <laughs> right. So you just had that such an unanswer. Well, no, because I could have said, oh, this is going to be very, very significant. Like, no, I Which think it's going to be. Which would have been an be... answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like, think it's just, either. basically said, like, I don't know, but in a really extravagant, ridiculous way. No, because I'm not saying that it's going to be 10 out of 10 important. I'm saying I think it'll be one to five important. I don't think it's going to be 10 out of 10 important. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, th I think, I think it's too expensive. I think well, yes. no one knows what the metaverse is. Mm -hmm. I think that the graphics aren't going to be what they think they are. And it's not going to have use cases fully yet for what it should be if it's going to really catch on. So that's why I'm saying yes. I'm like lukewarm about it. It could have well, no effect. It could have like a small effect, but it's not going to have a big effect. So talking about the rumor mill, the headset's apparently going to be called Reality Pro. Apparently it's mm. going to be a standalone device with a built-in computer, meaning it won't have to be linked to an iPhone. And as you say, it's expensive because apparently, according to numerous sources speaking to the likes of Bloomberg, it could cost up to $3,000. And that's twice as much as Meta's most expensive headset. 
But Leo Jacobson, our reporter, also made the point that, hey, it's Apple. Their products generally tend to be more expensive anyway. Oh, I was going to say, going off of his point, hey, it's Apple. They generally tend to have products. Do you see what I mean? (laughs) Facebook has a website that people don't really like that much. They've never made like a phone that everyone, you know, had in their hand that worked. Apple has a pretty good track record. I mean, in the history of all of its big launches, the biggest scandal I remember is that some versions of the MacBook had a keyboard that was a little sticky. I had one of those laptops. It was I did too. infuriating. Absolutely yeah, infuriating. You, oh, I got an email. I got an email. You can join a class action lawsuit. I think you get like $70 or something. I signed. Okay. I'll, I'll sign yeah. up to that. My point is that, at the very least, Apple has, like, you know, the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, the watch, the MacBook, you know. They got a lot going for them. Why aren't they calling this headset the eyewear? I don't know. It's incredibly dumb. And it shows, I think, that they don't know if it's going to be a success or not. Because they're not putting well, it with their main lineup. You know, you've mentioned some of their greatest hits, the iPhone, iPad, iPod. And they really, even though, even the first iPhone really pushed the envelope and just changed the way we do things. I remember seeing people like using an iPad for the first time and using the book functionality and like pressing their finger on the screen and seeing the page turn in real time and thinking this was revolutionary could reality pro if that's what it ends up being called be that product the fact like you just said they're not calling it the eyewear means it won't be yet it's like it's like they're sort of dipping their toe in the pond of the metaverse so my last question then is this something that meta should have sleepless nights over yes (laughs) well we'll hold you to that But I'm afraid that for this week, that's all we've got time for. Molly Jane, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about all this week's news. It has been honestly so good. I'm glad we got to do this right now and not at five in the morning and not on Sunday. Yes, (laughs) me too. Me too. We're on the 30th of February. (laughs) And 30th of February. And I said I had 45 minutes free. We have been recording for 44 minutes and 35 seconds. I keep to time, Molly Jane. I keep to time. You don't. <laughs> I do. Well, you don't either, to be fair. I, but I only don't with you. It's like a learned behavior specifically <laughs> with you. Only. Well, well, please do leave us a review if you've enjoyed this episode. It helps us reach more listeners. And um, thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday with all of your crypto headlines. But until then, from me and from Molly Jane, goodbye. Bye. Bye.